Whole Hog Sports presents the basketball podcast of Mid-America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast brought to you by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Here's your host, Whole Hog Sports basketball analyst, Scotty Bordelon. Welcome in to the basketball podcast of Mid-America. We appreciate you listening in and checking us out today on what should be a, an episode filled with positive things because not a lot has gone wrong for Arkansas basketball in the last couple weeks and it feels like Eric Musselman's got another one of his his Arkansas teams playing some of his best basketball in the month of February. Razorbacks have won five straight SEC games since they started one and five in the league and they're above 500 in conference play for the first time this season. Arkansas is 17 and seven uh, ahead of Saturday's home game against Mississippi State. Uh, I guess this is the first time we've recorded since Arkansas lost at Baylor. So just kind of a quick rundown of what's gone on since then. Arkansas beat Texas A&M 81-70, Bud Walton Arena. Then they went on the road um, and finally notched that first road win at South Carolina. They made it. They made it a little bit, a little bit too close for comfort uh, in the in the final few minutes, but uh, were able to hold on in that that game and win 65-63. And then maybe their signature win of the season, I would say, um, probably in the same conversation as maybe the San Diego State game on Maui. Um, they beat Kentucky 88-73 on Tuesday in, in Rupp Arena, and that game wasn't really close, you know, after about the, the 10 to 12 minute mark. Uh, I think that was Arkansas' second largest margin of victory in the season, or in, in the all-time series with Kentucky in Lexington. Um, so that was a, a really, really impressive win. But before we get into what's going right for Arkansas of late, we talked to Eric Musselman on Wednesday, like a good probably 15, 16 hours after we got him after the win over Kentucky. Um, and he provided a pretty big update on Nick Smith, who uh, he he hasn't played since December 17th because of right knee management. Uh, he spent some time in in L.A. with his marketing team. They saw a, a, a knee specialist to try to figure out what's going on. And Nick is back practicing and the staff, according to Eric, is pretty optimistic and hopeful that he's going to return in the near future. So I guess the obvious question is how big of a deal is is this get, getting Nick back potentially in the, you know, you don't want to put a, a, a time on it like he's going to come back in a week. But if he can come back in the fairly near future, how, how big of a deal is this? Yeah, I think it's really big because um, obviously you'd like to have gotten back sooner if you're Arkansas, but there's still... Um, several conference games, and they've got the SEC tournament and then presumably the NCAA tournament. So um, if he can come back, I mean, there's some t- talk he might play Saturday. I don't know about that, or then maybe Tuesday at AM. Um, but, um, you know, you can kind of work him back into the lineup a little bit. I mean, I think that's twofold. One is, you know, when he came back the first time, he played six minutes. He was on a, a time limit, and I'm sure he'll be on a similar time limit whenever he does play again. And then also, um, you, you know, he's kind of limited and, you know, he's got to get his conditioning back. He's got to get his timing back. I know he's practicing. I know he's an elite athlete, but you don't just miss two months of the season and, and uh, you know, walk onto the court and play 35 minutes and score, you know, 25 points. I don't think it works that way. So I think they have to be careful uh, with him both physically and also kind of mentally. I mean, you want to, you know, make sure he goes in there. He's confident, obviously. He's a very elite player player but you know I think you want everybody feeling good Nick and the team about kind of working him back in 
Yeah, I don't think you can understate how how big of an impact he can have for a, a, a team that Eric Musselman previously described as offensively challenged. Uh, you get a guy that's supposed to be a number one scorer uh, inserted into a lineup that just knocked off Kentucky at Rupp Arena. That's flying high on supreme confidence. I think can maybe take that team to to a whole new level. Uh, and I mean, the guy's a, a walking bucket. He had 16 points and I'm not really counting Troy as his first game because he only played five minutes. He missed both shots. So if you don't count that game, he had 16 in his first ever game, followed up with 22 at UNC at Greensboro. And then he put up 21 on an OU team. Uh, and th those are his first three college games that he actually had significant minutes in. And so I think the level of offense that he can provide is probably unparalleled. Yeah, I, th I think he may be a guy who... You know, I'm just curious to see how they make like working back in, because I mean, it's not just how do you work him back in to, you know, just continue kind of the flow that you've found offensively, especially against, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas was phenomenal offensively. But Eric is saying that this team is, you know, he's seeing some growth from it on the offensive end. And so you kind of got to you got to factor that in. But at the same time, like you got to play both ends of the floor, too. And so Arkansas, like Arkansas is a top 15 defensive team nationally in terms of efficiency. So you got to, I mean, you've got to make sure that he's, he's ready to get out there and, and defend his tail off just like a lot of these other guys are, but I kind of, you know, I think he may be a guy who comes off the bench until his feet are kind of entirely under him again, in terms of game action. Like it's, it's a different deal for him, I think, to stay home, um, you know, just when Arkansas is traveling and, and get his conditioning in, there's nothing like game, like game conditioning is like probably the best kind of condition you'd have is like, remember I was, when I was in pretty good shape in junior high, like I could run, I could run a mile, no problem. But you get me in the game with a lot of stopping and starting and, you know, you, you know, you take off sprint and you might lose your breath, you, you know, go up and down a few times that, that can, you know, I think it'll be big for him if he's able to, to get his feet underneath him and, and find kind of that second breath. But, um, you know, I think, he, you know, if he plays well, when he comes back, he could be a guy that rejoins the starting lineup. And I think that's, that's a definite possibility because Eric has talked about how the lineup, even though it's the lineup that they're playing now, starting both Mitchell twins is, is performing pretty well but it's based on matchups, right? Like, so Arkansas is going to have some games down the stretch where, you know, they may be facing a team that isn't as, you know, that maybe doesn't feature a big bodied guy in the front court and maybe places more of an emphasis on, you know, scoring from the guard spot or, or three point shooting like Alabama. Um, they got, they've got to go to Alabama. So that's, that's maybe a game that, that you're thinking about too, you know, where, Mikel Mitchell, not to say that he's going to get he gets played off the floor against a team like that, but that has been kind of an issue for him. And so I think if you get you get a guy like Nick back who's long and athletic and plenty capable defensively to help Arkansas defend some of those teams that, you know, like I said, place an emphasis on three point shooting um, or maybe a little bit more guardianed. I think that's that's obviously that'd be big time for them. So we'll see if Nick comes back this weekend against Mississippi State. Apparently there was some talk last night on an Instagram Live that I did not listen because I'm old and I fell asleep early. Um, but we'll we'll see at that point, um, you know, maybe if he's a if he's gonna be a factor in the game and definitely monitor his pregame, I guess, if he's involved in that. But let's get into the Kentucky win. Second largest margin of victory at Kentucky, like I mentioned earlier, shot the lights out. He held the reigning national player of the year to seven points and 
six shots and seven rebounds. I mean, just what, what were you guys' overall impressions of of that game? Because I think, you know, that I think that Eric talked to the team before the game that, you know, like a lot of national eyeballs are on this game because at the at the time of the game, Arkansas and Kentucky, both teams that have been ranked in the top twenty five a lot of the season, they've fallen out. They're on the bubble if you look at Joe Lenardi's projections. And so, you know, a, a win and and looking impressive doing it could could make a big difference. And then that's what they did. I mean, they they did they they gave Kentucky no shot, I think, after about the 10 minute mark in the second half. Yeah, I guess just what impressed me so much was you know, scoring 88 points. I mean, shooting 60, just I guess 62.7, so almost 63 percent from the field. And then Anthony Black uh, talked about him missing a shot at the end, or they would have been shooting 64, kind of beating himself up about that, which I thought was kind of funny after he scored what, 19 points, five assists, five steals. Uh, four rebounds, something like that. Um, but just the the way they were able to get out and run, they got their transition game going with uh, the the defense. I mean, um, Anthony Black really set the tone for that in the second start of the second half. He had back to back steals, went down and got dunks, and I I think to give Arkansas helped Arkansas get a nine point lead there with the run that some other guys helped scored on. And you know, I think Kentucky got back within four, but I never really felt like Kentucky was going to win that game after that. And so I was just impressed with how they shot um, either when against Kentucky set defense or in, in the transition and getting 20 fast break points. I mean, they, they really got out there and ran and, um, you know, just impressive uh, display to do that. I was reading Kentucky's notes that Arkansas was the, the first team to shoot over 60% against Kentucky since Florida in 2007. Wow, and they said, and that was Kentucky's. I mean, that was Florida's national championship team, the the, the one that won the second one that had all the starters back, and that game was in Gainesville. So Florida did it at home with every starter back from a national championship team. Arkansas did it on the road, you know, with uh, relying on some freshmen and some transfers, and just so I just I think of of all the good things, that's what really stood out to me was just how well they shot the ball. Thing I thought early on it looked like it was just going to be one of those nights for Arkansas because they had shots go deep into the shot clock where they're just putting up prayers and they kept going in. Like Jordan Walsh hit a three uh, with like one second left on the clock from the parking lot. I thought that may have been the omen that, that it was going to be a good night for yeah. Arkansas when Jordan's three went down. After it, yeah, I thought the same thing after I saw that. And then you had Makai Mitchell take one, one step in front of the three-point line and hits a long-range two out of nowhere. Uh, he hasn't done that all season. So that was – I mean – and then Devo Davis, I think, also had one right at the shot clock expired. And it just seemed like they were getting good offensive possessions. Not only were they wearing down the clock, but they were finishing the looks. And then on the defensive end, obviously, you take a player of the year guy like Shibway and hold him to seven points. And I think he only had seven rebounds. And so I think I'll tell you what, if you're and I see a lot of like during the Arkansas games, people talking about the bets they place on the Arkansas games. And yeah. if you you want to lock you always should take the under of Arkansas's opponent's star player. Cause I mean, it just seems like the game plan, like Chibwe seven points, Gigi Jackson, I think was held under his score. Yeah, he was at nine points too, I think. And I, I'm just saying there might be something there, but yeah, that it seemed early on, like it was the Arkansas tonight. What what do y'all think keyed the the offensive efficiency in the game? It was like Bob said, I think Arkansas shot 62.7%. And this is a team that's been, I think to put it lightly, it's been downright dreadful sometimes on the offensive end sometimes. But I think 
I think Eric has mentioned that shot selection has really improved. And it looked to me like they went in with, you know, going to make a concerted effort to put Oscar Shibway in as many pick and roll actions as possible, make that big dude move his feet, which, I mean, he's a big guy and he's he's got pretty good feet in terms of just like getting off the floor second, third, and fourth time for, for rebounds and things like that. But I think everybody in the league's got him pretty figured out in terms of like his ball screen defense. I was not real good, but I think Ricky Council made some really tough shots. I think that's also kind of another indicator of of Arkansas when they're going to have a good offensive night. Is Ricky Council knocking down a jump? Is is he maybe hits his first couple jump shots, and does he hang in the air for seven seconds and then throw in kind of like a a, a runner off the glass? I think those are pretty good, uh, pretty good marks that Arkansas is going to have a good night. And then Devo, I think, is just driving this team, man. It's been I, – I wrote this earlier in the week in my how to – or what to watch for column for the Arkansas-Kentucky game. And I think, you know, his three-point shooting, like the midseason flip and his accuracy from deep is one of maybe the most fascinating developments in Eric's tenure here. And Eric has also coached Mason Jones into an All-American. And he had J.D. Note, a kid from Jacksonville University, sit out a year and then he's like an all-american his second year um you know in uniform on the floor but devo's just been incredible and i think his eric gave him a lot of props the other night for kind of his maturity and his decision making with the ball and you know devo goes from making all of arkansas's threes against south carolina to just taking two against kentucky and he was like it showed a lot of maturity from devo just like made four the other night which matched a career high for the second straight game he comes in, he airballs his first one. And so he's like, if, and then he, he knocks down his second one. His second one could not have been, could not have made a more beautiful sound when it went through the, through the net. So you had like the end, both ends of the spectrum there, but he didn't fall in love with the three. He kind of got into that middle area of the floor. And then, you know, I think he had a late clock score where Euro stepped beautifully into a layup, but just impressions on Devo, man. I mean, I, I just think that he's been kind of the driving force of this team. Like he's, I mean, he's obviously he's being more vocal in huddles. I heard him the other night. He was telling Antonio Reeves not to talk to him. He's like, I'm not even mad at you, bro, but don't even talk to me. I mean, he's just kind of, he's just kind of doing a little bit of everything. He's kind of been like that. He's kind of the the heart and maybe the the attitude of, of this team, I think, at this point. Yeah, and the thing about his shooting and scoring, it's not like a small sample size. I think it's – is it eight games now or nine? It's been so long I lose track, but he's had – you know, 15 or more, like in eight straight games, shooting well over 40% from three. And and like you said, I mean, he'd hit, I think, eight of eight of 18 the last two games. So super high percentage, just under 50. And, and yet uh, threes really weren't what was driving the game the other night. I think Arkansas only took four out of nine. Right. You contrast that with their SEC opener, TCU, uh, TCU, LSU. And I think they were four for 25. So 25 minus nine is what, 16? So they took 16 fewer threes than their SEC opener and hit just as many. So I, they, they, they were driving the ball. They were, they were getting, whether they were getting dunks on, you know, turnovers or working the ball around. And, and like Andrew said, get, getting some late, uh, you know, shot clock jumpers to go or just working the offense, getting the ball inside. You know, and Devo had seven assists, I think, right? So, um, yeah, so he was really moving the ball and finding teammates. Of course they, 
they they played you know they played really good defense i think for the most part eric talked about that how after kentucky scored 40 in the first half he got on them some at halftime and they only scored 33 and uh so and then some of those were kind of late i think when arkansas didn't want to foul them oh yeah definitely when the game was well in hand yeah it didn't want to let him get to the basket. Like you see some of these things on Twitter where, you know, teams blow leads. It's because they're fouling guys when they were up by three or some on the last play or whatever. But um, um, yeah, I mean, I think Devo is just playing at a super, super high level on, on both ends. Yeah. I think his progression from three has been, been crucial for this team. And I think maybe his, the disparity in his free throw percentage and his three point percentage before he started getting hot from three point is like just so confusing to me because it's, it's, it's gotta be, I think mental because it, there's no awkward mechanics in his jump shot. His, his mid range going to his left is money. He shoots well at the free throw line. Like, and, but then for some reason, if you take a step back and put an arc in front of him, it, it just wasn't falling. All right, uh, but now it is, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's putting in the amount of work that he's put in, and and maybe convincing himself that he's put in the work that he needs to take these threes. And you know, maybe he sees a couple falling, and then 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 they all start falling. But uh, yeah, I think that's been a one of the the craziest storylines for sure. You know, a lot of times when we're covering games from home, we're typically not traveling, especially like South Carolina and and, and games like Kentucky. Um, you know, so we can just we can just do the zoom from home. So there's really no need to travel. But a lot of times when I'm just watching the game, I don't really hear what the broadcast broadcasters are saying. And so I went back and rewatched the Kentucky game on Wednesday to track shots defended. And at one point I heard Jimmy Dykes say that Devo belongs at least in the conversation for SEC player of the year. Is is that a stretch? I mean, I think right now it's got to be Brandon Miller, or am I forget am I forgetting somebody else in the league? I mean, I would think it's got to be Brandon Miller at this point. I mean, I don't Alabama's not lost a game in league play, so I don't I don't I don't see how Devo could like legitimately win it. But I I don't wholeheartedly disagree that he should be in the conversation if Arkansas, you know, keeps keeps winning games. But um, I think I think he's probably a long shot. Brandon Miller might have that thing wrapped up, and I could be obviously forgetting somebody. I honestly, just thought about what Jimmy Dyke said as soon as as soon as Andrew started talking. But I just wanted to throw that that out to you guys. Like, if he keeps up this pace, I mean, I mean, he's got to be at least thought of for first team all sec like if he keeps playing like this i mean i think he's already got should arkansas keep winning games i think he's already got a, a second team spot secured but i think he could i think he could move up from there maybe yeah i mean D- devo I, I didn't i, I usually listen to the radio guys but um yeah devo's just playing it at a great level and you know, see if he can maintain this especially with the team some of the teams they have coming up then yeah he's definitely a guy i would give uh, all sec consideration to and um yeah brandon miller i think he's got to have a huge lead for player of the year if people were doing a vote now i, I heard i guess they were talking about this on sec now last night they were talking about three guys they were talking about miller they, they mentioned Sheboy, who of course is a reigning national player of the year but he honestly and he's having a really good year you look at the stats but last couple games is not done i mean i don't think with kentucky struggling like they are by their standards i don't think you know i don't see Sheboy's repeating as sec it's certainly not national player of the year they mentioned somebody else 
and I, I can't remember who it was. I'm trying to think about Could the Could it be Colin are... Castleton, maybe? Yeah, maybe. He's having a really good year for He Florida, is having a pretty good year, yeah. I was but, trying to but, think of some other guys in the league who might be in that conversation, yeah. and he was the first one that, that maybe popped up to me. But, but, you know, the way, you know, Florida is kind of a bubble team, they're, they, they're coming in here, you know, they, they gave Kentucky a real good game, and then, you know, they just couldn't hang with Alabama at all and Tuscaloosa, but who has, right? And, um, but yeah, I think Brandon Miller would – he'd be the, you know, head and shoulders above anybody else right now. Yeah, I think the the SEC Player of the Year award might be a stretch for Devo. But if there, if there was an award for, like, not how the NFL does comeback player of the season, but if you could do comeback player of the midway point, like turning your season <laughs> around, like, I think he'd be the front runner. He's turnaround scored. player of the year. There, there it is. I think Devo is the SEC's turnaround player of the year. I mean – I think he scored double digits in five of the first 14 games, if my math's correct, but I'm terrible at math, so don't quote me on that. But he has double digits in nine straight. Uh, and, I mean, his efficiency's gone up as his points has gone up. So, I mean, yeah, I think he, he's your turnaround player of the year. He's got my vote. Yeah, for sure. I, I I would like to reinforce that. I don't think that he's going to be in that conversation ultimately, but I think, you know, if, if he keeps leading Arkansas to wins, I think he's he's – he might have a, a place in maybe that first team all SEC conversation. And I think at this point right now, you know, if you had to to write down your first and second teams, I think he's probably a pretty comfortably a second team guy, you know, with, with plenty of room to potentially move up. The basketball podcast of Mid America is sponsored by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Visit their showroom at 411 South Metro Parkway in Rogers or online at Landers Toyota NWA.com. For all your automotive needs, shop Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers, where we guarantee you the best buying experience and best service after the sale in Arkansas. Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. Com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. All right, I wanted to dive into what we're seeing with Mikel Mitchell, who is basically, I guess, for most of the non-conference schedule and at least the start of the SEC schedule, he was just kind of sitting and watching. I mean, and, and Makai was pretty much the the guy in Arkansas's front court, kind of their anchor. Um, got a two-part trivia question for you guys because I know that you guys love y'all love the, these, these, this trivia so much. Um, can you name the other two Arkansas players since 2010, 2011, who have finished with at least nine points 
13 rebounds and seven blocks in a game. So just for anybody who may be wondering why I'm throat spitting out random numbers, that was Mikel Mitchell's line against Texas A&M last week. So two players since 2010, 2011, who have had at least nine points, 13 rebounds and seven blocks in a game. I'd say one would have to be Daniel Gafford, probably. That is incorrect. When was Bobby Portis a Razorback? Is that that within the time frame? Yes. Yeah, that'd be in the time frame. That's my guess. Bobby, you got to dig deep with some of these big men from, I guess, going back to, what would that be, last season before Mike Anderson? Uh, Okay. Um I'm having a brain break or whatever you call it. I, I can picture him. Yeah, he played for Pelfrey. He was a Juco transfer. I think he had a really big game at Auburn. And I'm just drawing a blank on his name. The other one's not the other one's not too difficult, I don't think. I mean, you so just what? think about big men from the last ten years. I mean, he's he'd be right there. I don't know about the the best of of the big men in that in that time frame, but he was. I'll give you, he was a preseason SEC Player of the Year one year. Oh, Moses Kingsley. There's one of them, and then I'll just go ahead and give you the other one. It was Delvon Johnson. Yeah, that that's who I was thinking of. I just couldn't think of his name. But yeah, he was a big kid, JUCO transfer, played played for Pelfrey, and that one really surprised me when I went to Sports Reference and was like doing the player game finder search and put in those numbers and De- your boy Delvon Johnson popped up. I had him um, on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I did. I just couldn't remember his name. So sorry about that. So here, here's part two. Can you name the three players since the three other players other than Mikel Mitchell since 2010, 2011, who have finished with at least 15 points and five blocks in a game? This one should, I mean, this should be pretty easy. Well, I would say K- K- Kingsley would fit in there. Yes. 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 And and maybe maybe Bobby Portis. Yep, yeah, Bobby Portis. So those are that's. Let's go. I mean, we cleaned up. That was. I mean, Mikel's putting himself into some pretty good company of late. You know, I mean, and it's. I thought that, I thought that when he kind of. Played really well against Louisville back at the the Maui Invitational. I I remember tweeting when he was just going ham in the second half and dunking everything every time he touched the basketball, I was like this, like Mikel breaking out is a little bit of a development here. And then he played, you know, I don't want to call him spot minutes, but he didn't exactly play 15 plus minutes every night. And I think he's just another one of those guys that has just, he's not to say that he wasn't bought in earlier, but, you know, it just takes time to, like Eric has said over and over to just kind of grasp everything that the staff is asking for. And then not only that, you got to be really locked into your game plan too. Like you could be more than capable of matching up with a guy like Oscar Shibway, but you could get out on the floor and then not execute it. And then Arkansas is just kind of left wondering what exactly do we do here? But, you know, his emergence I think has been been really big and it kind of gives Arkansas a two-headed presence with him and him and Makai. And the last five games that Mikel has played in, this may be the most interesting stat that I found on him. 1.15 blocks per fouls committed. I mean, a lot of players, a lot of big guys are well under one. 
and are still pretty good shot blockers. But Mikel in the last five games has just been he's just been lights out. What what have you guys thought of him? And you know, he he gave Arkansas 15 points the other night too. It wasn't just like the the five blocks were the only thing he gave and um, you know, runs the floor pretty well and he doesn't turn the basketball over. We know that is also a pretty big key if you want to play in the front court for Eric Musselman these days. Yeah, I guess what impressed me, I remember early on, you know, Makai was getting a lot of minutes. And if you look at Rhode Island, he, he and Makai McKell, you know, both started, both were pretty productive, uh, you know, pretty similar stats. And then they come here and Makai's playing, starting and playing a lot. And Mikel's not playing much at all. And, you know, you wonder, why wow, these guys are twins. They've, you know, grown up together and been at Maryland, Rhode Island, other than Arkansas together. I wonder how tough that is for Mikel to see his brother doing well. I mean, I'm sure he's happy for his brother, but he, he wishes he was doing that. And I remember we, we talked to Makai early, I think it was for the Fordham game and just said, well, you know, Hey, how's Mikel doing? What do you think, you know, about, you know, he's not playing as much as you are. And, and Makai said, Hey, you know, we, we support each other and, you know, they're roommates and all this. And, and when he gets his chance, he's going to make the most of it. And that obviously was pretty prophetic, uh, because Mikel now the he's actually getting to play more than Makai of late, and I'm sure Makai's happy for Mikel just like Mikel was happy for Makai. But I, I uh, admire what Mikel did in terms of staying patient. And um, you know, Anthony Black mentioned this uh, a week or so ago, and we talked to him. I think it's for the Carolina game that you know Mikel was just as happy as anybody when they won. He when he wasn't playing, he was happy for his brother. And you know, to me, that's being a really good teammate, and that's kind of karma there. He obviously kept working hard in practice, he impressed the coaches, you know, and like you said, understood the scouting reports, was executing things. So um, I think it's, it's always great to see a young guy, a young man. I mean, I was a senior, but to me, he's young. Everybody's young to me. But it's always it's always fun to see somebody, you know, be patient, work hard, and get rewarded for it. And I, I guess as much as his physical, uh, what he's doing physically, I'm impressed by, by you know, mentally and his attitude and how he's able to stay positive and, and not, you know, be upset when he wasn't playing as much as his brother was earlier. Yeah, if I mean, if I'm reading this game log right, uh, he's got two blocks in every game that he's gotten at least ten minutes in, and I mean that's that's pretty impressive. impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think even what might be more impressive than the numbers on the stat sheet is how many shots he alters at the rim. Uh, he might not get the block, but I think he forces them into some difficult shots. And you mentioned his lack of fouling. I think altering those shots without fouling has been key for Arkansas. Yeah, and I mean, he he did pick up a, a few fouls late in that Kentucky game, but that was already after he had, you know, he'd, he'd stuffed Oscar Shibway at the rim a couple times, blocked another shot. And, um, yeah, he's just he's just been a really impressive man. And I tweeted the other night, I think the sources were, indicating that he's a grown man he's cert he's certified grown man like he's just he's really really tough to move and if oscar shibway has a problem with him i would imagine that a lot of guys in this league would tolu smith is the next guy that's probably going to get a crack at the mitchell twins they got a arkansas has got a big game on saturday against mississippi stays five o'clock on espnu and i'm really looking forward to that game just because it feels like it's been forever since we've been in Bud Walton Arena on a weekend at night. Not saying that five o'clock is at night, but it's it's evening time. That's plenty of time for people to get to get really happy before the game, come to the game, be really loud. And those are just, those are the environments that I think are really fun. Like Arkansas played Ole Miss, I think a couple weekends ago, eleven a.m. tip off. I mean, it kind of 
it was it, it felt weird going to campus for an 11 o'clock start that wasn't football you know what i mean like it, it, it was just a little bit weird but i got it at that point like our they were honestly probably trying to hide that game on tv if it if at all possible like that wasn't a really fun game to watch but arkansas is just completely you know role reversal since since that time when they played Ole miss what, what are y'all expecting from that what, what i think probably going to be a pretty fun crowd i think people are are believing in this basketball team again after you know after they hit the skids for a bit you know nothing about the last couple of home games not, not only were they tuesday night games there there was snow and ice yeah exactly yeah still pretty good crowds for those games oh, good, so good, you great, got great. yeah you got clear roads hopefully yeah, pretty good weather should be fun oh yeah i thought those were great crowds under the circumstance i think there's I don't know about Kentucky because obviously they have weather up there and they probably have more plows and stuff, but I can think of very few fan bases given the weather, given those games being on tee, given that Arkansas had, had been struggling that would come out. I, I think they had about 12,000 at each game, maybe, maybe 11,000 uh, for uh, A&M because that, that the weather was worse. And I, I give the fans a lot of credit because I mean, Hey, we had to be there for, well, we didn't have to be there, but you know, you, you want to be there for work. But if I was a fan, I guess I wouldn't be a very good one because I've been parked on my couch watching it when it got down the roads, but I give the fans a lot of credit, but obviously those crowds were impacted by the weather. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any snow in the forecast for Saturday. At least I hope not. Lord, so, I hope not. Yeah. I, I expect, you know, Mississippi state's playing well, you know, they, they beat LSU the other night. Um, I think they've won four in a row. They beat TCU in the in the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. So Mississippi State's playing well. Um, Arkansas is obviously playing well. Yeah, it's their first weekend game in a couple of weeks. And so, yeah, I expect it to be a packed house and a wild crowd. And and, and they just beat Kentucky. I mean, there's a lot of good vibes around this. And there's the anticipation that Nick Smith might play, you know. So there, there, there's a lot of reasons, you know, for people to come to this game. And so I, yeah, I think it'll be a, a real raucous crowd. Andrew, do you keep the starting lineup the same again this weekend? Bring Jordan Walsh off the bench. Seems like it's been working. You sticking with that? Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I think Jordan, I think Jordan's found a little bit of a comfort zone being able to, to see maybe the first few minutes of a game and then finding a way that he can, he can impact it. You know, I think he's, Eric said after I think it was the South Carolina game that he's seen a bunch of bunch of growth from Jordan and AB, but specifically Jordan. I just think that he's just such a vital piece to what Arkansas, you know, wants to do. I mean, just because he can do so many things that Arkansas needs. Like I, I think that's a pretty good descriptor of him. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, you know, he can stay on the floor maybe long enough to knock down a, a perimeter jump shot or like the other night made a terrific play on a Kentucky drive to the rim, blocked it. Um, just energy and, and defense. I think you got to, I think you got to, you got to, you got to have his length and his, his energy on the floor as much as possible. And if you've got a guy like him out there that can give you a little bit of everything on both ends and, and maybe try to smother Mississippi State's guards. I, I haven't watched just a ton of Mississippi State this year, but I don't think their guards are the biggest in the league. And so maybe you can smother them a little bit with length. So should be an interesting game and not sure what the spread's going to be, but I would imagine that Arkansas would be maybe a five, six, seven point favorite, maybe somewhere in there, maybe split the difference to call it six. Um, should be a pretty fun game, five o'clock in Bud Walton Arena on ESPNU. So figure out what channel ESPNU is on, whether you're streaming or you actually have cable like Bob. Um, 
But for Bob Holt and Andrew Joseph, I'm Scotty Bordelon. We appreciate you listening in to the basketball podcast of Mid America this week. It's good to good to talk about a, a basketball team that's, that's doing some pretty good things lately and got people excited about another potential potential run down the stretch. But um, yeah, thanks again for listening in to the basketball podcast of Mid America, and we'll holler at you guys again next week. The proceeding has been a production of WholeHogSports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at WholeHogSports.com for the latest news and commentary.